Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, along with my co-host, Rachel Santizo. And our guest today is Austin Frankham uh, from a company called, or a, what do you call what do you call your place? A clinic. A, a clinic. clinic. Yes. A clinic. That's the name. That's what I was coming called. Therapeutic alternatives. And today, I I actually sought you out uh, because I've been reading articles about and I and I want to first of all say, since we are Odyssey House, that this is not something that we do at Odyssey House. Just so you know, off the top. But I've seen so many articles on using ketamine. Uh, in a therapeutic way to deal with people's uh, mental health issues. But I also notice, like on your webpage, you mentioned substance use issues. So uh, can you sort of explain, we're glad to have you, and I'm not yeah. being skeptical, but I just wanted to point out that Odyssey does not endorse something like this. But, I, but I'm really curious how it, how it all works. How Because we know ketamine is abused by people on the street, but we know it's used for medical purposes. I, I probably had ketamine when I've been in for surgery, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you use it for mental health or substance use? It's okay. Uh, yeah, so um, background with ketamine, uh, the history of ketamine, it, it, you know, it's used worldwide as an anesthetic drug. And... Um, you know, because it's a very safe medicine, it can, you know, you can induce anesthesia without uh, necessarily needing somebody to kind of manage an airway. So, um, so it is legal and FDA approved for um, anesthesia. Um, however, at low doses, uh, ketamine kind of induces the kind of a psychedelic or dissociative state, which um, has been found to, to be beneficial for patients with uh, trauma, um, depression, anxiety, and, and some benefit for uh, addiction, um, not specifically for detoxing, but for, for aftercare. Um, and, and for whatever reason, when people are in that, um, uh, that dis dissociative state, uh, it, there's a, the, the prevailing theory is that it it, it helps build new neural pathways, new connections between neurons that um, actually provide uh, patients a different way of looking at things, um, uh, kind of uh, uh, kind of rewires the way they think about, you know, their, their whatever illness they have, either their addiction or, or their, their mental health issues, and sometimes can be very healing in that state. Um, it does have some abusability potential, but um, the way we provide it, we do it in a in a very safe and secure uh, setting where you know licensed professionals are are actually administering the medicine, and then we have a therapist and some some uh, sitters to kind of be able to provide a positive space for them. Um, it's it's my belief that you know if you're going in to that with with an intention to kind of heal and to kind of um, examine your problems, you, you end up pulling something positive and beneficial out of that experience. So can you describe how it actually physically works? If I come into your clinic <laughs> and I tell you I'm depressed all the time or something like that, then, then how, how does it work? What do you do? Do I go in a dark <laughs> room and you put an IV in or, and does a therapist talk to me? I mean, walk yeah. me through it. Yeah, so we'll, we'll initially have a, an interview where we kind of discuss what 
what their intention coming in, um, you know, what what, what uh, problems that they, they want to work on and, and we'll initially have a little discussion with them. We'll, we'll give them a private room where they, where we were able to kind of talk to them about their medical history, what, what, what kind of, you know, what kind of issues they're trying to work on. We'll kind of set the stage for them. We call it uh, flight instructions where we'll kind of tell them what to <laughs> what to expect because it's a very bizarre and and uh, almost ineffable experience. Um, we'll kind of give them some instructions. Uh, I'll then administer them a sub-anesthetic dose, a, a smaller dose than I would give people for anesthesia. Um, and IV. Uh, we we started when we first started doing it. We did it mostly IV. But we found that that feels a little more clinical, a little more sterile, so we do intramuscular injections mostly now. Um, during that period of time, you know, they'll be in a dissociative or out, the best way to describe it is kind of an out-of-body experience uh, for about 30 to 40 minutes. So I'm um, hallucinating? Um, I wouldn't. It's more like... Uh, Hallucinations are possible, yeah. It's more like feeling like your body doesn't exist anymore and you're just, the way I describe it is like uh, your, your default mode of operation, you know, your, your part of your brain that, that's noisy and always talking to you and has your defense mechanisms. That part of your brain kind of dissolves and you're kind of left to kind of look at your own consciousness. It's not necessarily a pleasurable experience. It can actually be very scary. Um, some patients feel like they're experiencing their own death. Some, some patients have more of a spiritual, divine experience. It just depends on what the person is coming in here to kind of coming into our clinic to deal with. So, and are you are you talking them through? What is a therapist there mm -hmm. saying? Yep. Okay, if I think I think I'm dying or yep. something, you're, you know. Yeah. So, it's, uh, so assuming in that scenario, if somebody if the experience is going kind of dark like that. We have a therapist, like I said, our, my partner's very experienced with kind of help grounding them, you know, making them feel safe. And then within, you know, a few, you know, 30 minutes, they usually come back to their body. Uh, and then we process with them about how that experience went. You know, try to put some language to that experience so they can kind of ingrain it into their memory. And then, you know, we, you know, then they go back to their waking lives um, and, you know, go back to see to their therapist and able to take whatever that experience pulls out for them uh, to therapy. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of what encapsulates what we do. Yeah. So it's, it seems like there's, there's two things that, is it comparable to the peyote? Um, not, it, it does work. I would consider it a psychedelic, yes, but it tends to be, I think, in, in my, my personal opinion, because of the anesthetic properties, it feels more internal, whereas other psychedelics uh, tend to feel like a more of a external experience, you know, more of an interaction with the, the outside world. This tends to be kind of a deeply personal, deeply introspective experience. It sounds, yeah. I've done therapy before, and I've done EMDR, and it's mm -hmm. kind of, it, is it comparable mm -hmm. to that, like visiting that space of, of like a trauma or some kind of experience and, and digging into that and, and facing that? Yeah, yeah. And then well, discussing it's, it? It's a very good comparison where, where EMDR um, and I, I'm not a therapist, so I, I may be wrong uh, as far as, but MDR, EMDR kind of focuses on feeling that trauma in various parts yeah. of your body and then, then releasing it. And this can be 
uh, have a similar effect where while you're in that space, you can look at that trauma, examine it, kind of let it go. Um, so uh, similar, and, and actually my Candace actually is a, does EMDR therapy, um, and she's, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, just to speak on, on her draw towards this, she had, um, you know, patients that would go to ketamine clinic that, that were really stuck in therapy, and, you know, they'd go do ketamine, come back, and just do, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're um, you know, they're unblocked, you know, they're kind of un unsticking themselves, I guess, and doing a lot, lot better work in therapy. So, um, so she, that's, that was kind of her impetus for exploring ketamine as a, as a treatment option. So, um, so the thinking is that this sort of frees my brain from the way it is normally so that I can deal with some things I'm trying to deal with? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It, it, some people describe it as, as hitting the reset button to a degree. Um, there's prevailing theories on how it works. I mean, there's a theory that, you know, what I said as far as neurogenesis of, of creating new connections and, and re rewiring old, old neural pathways to be able to look at things in a different way. There's, there's also a theory that it, it creates kind of a mystical experience uh, and for whatever reason it's, you know, an almost, I'll just call it a spiritual experience where um, those, some of those things that, that had control over you before maybe don't seem as, as uh, pressing or as, as intense. And, uh, and really all of these things, are, this is a fairly new type of treatment. So all of these prevailing theories um, you know, are being studied, but, but they are theories. I mean, it, if we're being honest, I think there's a, there's a gap of knowledge where we don't really know how it works. Um, but, but we do know it works well. We, our personal experience, um, I think a lot of data suggests that it works, it works well. It's not a magic wand. I mean, you still have to do the hard work. You have to, you know, say, you know, say if you were doing it for addiction, you still have to go to your meetings, you still have to go to therapy, treatment. Uh, this can just be a catalyst to kind of help you do better work there, so. Is there a danger? Well, I, yeah, yes, I mean, um, well, as you as you mentioned, it is an abusable medicine. So, um, you know, some people that don't want to live in their in their body or in the waking world, it's very appealing because, yeah, you do you do feel out of your body, and, and for some people, that's more comfortable space than kind of facing um, uh, whatever they need to, to work through. However, when it's when it's done in a professional setting. Um, you know, where you have professionals following you and tracking you, and and I don't see a lot of abuse, even with psychedelics. Um, you know, like I said, I, I did uh, admissions for for Highland Ridge and for House of, or let's see House of Hope for a while, and not not uh, of my days doing that. I don't I don't remember ever admitting somebody for a psychedelic dependency. However, there's yeah there's there's abusability danger there, so. So I'm, I'm going to ask the hard question, like sure. why, you know, because people are going to be wondering, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm wondering, like, why, if, if you're doing it for substance dependency, like, why in the world would somebody come in and do it? But it's going to be similar to the same question as a Medicaid-assisted treatment, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, how, how is the process, like, why would somebody come and do 
ketamine, right? And what is what is the process? Is this short term or long term? Do you come weekly? Do you send them home? Describe that process and why okay. it could be beneficial and effective, okay. in your opinion. Yeah. So so for all those so so I mean let's let's take substance abuse for example. Um, you know, there are usually underlying reasons why you self-medicate, right? I mean, uh, there's there's depression, there's trauma. Um, and so, you know, somebody, so why would you give it to somebody who, who has an issue with addiction? Assuming they've already detoxed, they're in treatment, the, the short answer is to prevent relapse, right? So you're, you're able to... Um, to, to let them work on those underlying issues um, that, that may trigger, even maybe give them some a catalyst or insight into those those triggers that may lead to relapse and, and be able to work on those those issues, trauma, depression, whatever, to to kind of maintain sobriety. And that, that would be that would be, you know, the theoretical reason for, for using ketamine for addiction. Um, the pro the process isn't this isn't a medication you take every day. Um, most most providers we base our program on a on a good study that 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 did six a series of six treatments. Um, okay. uh, sorry, you do those together for for you know six six treatments in weekly a row. or monthly um, or biweekly sometimes weekly. So <laughs> okay. so you do them in a okay. close group of time. Then you take then you. And then you stop doing it, and then you take a, you know take a break and uh, see 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 what it, what it brings out for you, what it's a catalyst for. So, um, so that that um, that's kind of the process, yeah. But, so you're so, saying it could work in conjunction with yeah. somebody going through treatment for substance use. Yeah, absolutely. Be an adjunct therapy, not not uh, ketamine alone wouldn't be be recommended as a treatment because I got a call once from a friend of mine who had a they were concerned about their kid and the kid didn't want to go into a program like Odyssey or something like that and he said he's reading about ketamine treatment mm -hmm. and he's thinking of doing that yeah. and I didn't even know I didn't even know how to answer yeah uh, so yeah. if I ask you the same thing what would you say yeah I would say this could be uh, this could augment what you're doing in treatment but as a as monotherapy uh, you know I want to I want to say I want to quit using heroin, for example. You know, do I could I do would ketamine stop me from doing that? No, you you'd, it would be a, something to support what you're doing in therapy and treatment, um, whatever type of program you're in, and and that would be that that's where I would see the benefit. And, and keep in mind, this isn't this isn't a type of treatment that has a long track history. Like if you go back a ways, like an abuse or or um, naloc uh, naltrexone or something like that. There's not a lot of history, but I, I, this would be a therapeutic tool, but this would be an answer in and of itself. So, yep. We were talking before this started, and I thought it, you have um, a long history, so I, I would like to bring that out. Like, what got you involved and interested in this? So, um, yes, uh, just a, like I mentioned previously, in my 20s, um, you know, I decided I, I wanted to work in a field that helped people, and um, I, I started in kind of the light, late 90s working at VOA as a detox tech, and I worked there for a couple years, and, you know, I got some degrees in psychology and sociology and, and started working at the U 
uh, in their behavioral hospital um, as a psych tech and decided, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be a good therapist, so I went into nursing. I uh, worked, worked at uni as a nurse for, for a couple years and then moved, moved to a critical care job. Um, I got my graduate degree, my nurse practitioner degree from Westminster. And uh, after I graduated, I got a job at uni um, in their, in one of their um, new programs where, where we had essentially as a prescriber there. And uh, you know, and then I, me and my brother have a, a family practice clinic where I, I do a lot of med management for for depression and anxiety. And my my partner at my therapy clinic or at our our ketamine clinic had approached me about um, uh, you know she had some patients some patients that weren't doing well in therapy. You know, I had some patients that medications weren't really effective, and and so we we about three years ago we started trying ketamine for depression and anxiety and for trauma um, for patients, and um, you know we had really good results, and it's kind of grown from there. We've kind of changed the way we do it a little bit to make it a little more client-centered, a little more comfortable, but essentially that's how we started doing ketamine for patients. I'm glad you asked that so that yeah. people watching might think he's like Timothy Leary, the drug guru <laughs> from back <laughs> so, in the 60s or yeah, something. Yeah, you know. no, I, yes, I, yeah, it's a good reference, but no, we're, we're like I said, we're, my partner's a, a licensed clinical social worker. She's got a long uh, history of working with patients with PTSD. Um, you know, I, even though I'm a family nurse practitioner, a lot of work history in, in um, you know, areas of psych, psych and med management. So. I'm, I'm trying to think of a practical application here. I'm a recovering alcoholic, and for decades, when I'd go through living life and some of the bad things that would happen, well, almost on a daily basis, my response would be to drink, to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I've been clean for 10 years now, but I still occasionally think about drinking when something bad happens. Yeah. Would something like this treatment help me get rid of that thought process that, oops, Rachel looked at me crooked, I need to have a beer, you know, yeah. and get, get rid of that process that goes on in my brain? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Um, yes, I think this could be very helpful for for what you're describing. I think what you're uh, describing is is the thinking area or the thinking the thinking errors that that sometimes mm -hmm. people in recovery have, where this I you know they where whether that's like rationalization or 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 whatever it is that the kind of pulls at them to kind of relapse and to, to drink or, or whatever. Um, and and um, a medicine like ketamine could really put you in that, that space to examine those thinking errors um, in a safe, comfortable space. And yeah, it could, it could actually prevent, prevent a relapse in that case. Um, you know, studies, you know, studies always have their problems, but, but one, one Thing that studies have shown, uh, even in this beginning stage, is the the prevention of relapse is a benefit from from ketamine. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't suggest ket using ketamine for detoxing or when you're in that stage of detoxing. Right. But right. but maintaining sobriety is where I see a, a big practical application, just from being able to examine your own consciousness, look at your own thinking areas or thinking errors, and and be able to kind of look at things a different way, basically. 
an obvious question because this this is not covered by insurance, right? Right. Or accepted by Medicaid or Medicare or any mm -hmm. of that. So, so it's cash pay. Yes. So, what does this cost? Uh, we usually most people charge between two hundred and, and about five hundred dollars. Uh, we we charge three hundred dollars for an IM injection, approximately, and uh, that's because we have the um, support staff to kind of. Um, be with you during the process and kind of help you process. Um, but yeah, the, it, it uh, so that is an unfortunate thing with, with this is because accessibility uh, can be limited. It, it's considered, a, you know, accessibility can be limited based on, on your finances, obviously, and that, that's a detriment, but um, this is considered an off-label use of ket uh, for ketamine. Ketamine's primary use is for anesthesia, so so that's why insurances won't cover it. Um, it's actually very inexpensive uh, medicine it, it, for because uh, it's been around since the '60s. It's been around forever. So um, so yeah, it, that that's essentially the, the the politics involved in why it has to be cash pay. Most of it's just paying. Most of the cost is is for the providers to be able to provide the service. Yeah. Do you ever see a future? where something like this would be included, like with, with Matt, with, with medication-assisted treatment, and being accepted by agencies like Medicaid and, and other insurances, uh, and maybe Odyssey House, and I'm not saying that it'll ever happen, but I never thought it would happen that, that Odyssey would yeah. change from being an abstinence-based program Absolutely. to accepting Suboxone and, and Vivitrol and things like that. Could, do, you, do you see this in the future? Um, potentially, yeah. I mean, not being, I don't consider my, myself an expert in addictions, but um, I do see that being, yeah, what I've, I remember my early days, you know, with 12-step based programs, very strict on abstinence, right. and, and even my time working at House of Hope, um, I, I started to see Suboxone being used to kind of help maintain sobriety. In some ways, I think this is, if this is a tool that's, that through study turns out to help maintain sobriety, I, I do find that it could potentially be, you know, a valuable medicine just like those as far as that goes. And um, I think you're already seeing it being being used potentially in other medicines like MDMA and psilocybin, potentially being used for therapeutic, um, for more one-on-one uh, -on -one therapy sessions like, you know, where they, they may give you a lower dose of the medicine that, that, that just kind of helps you be in an open state where you can actually communicate with your therapist and be able to, to talk through sessions. I, I see that potential happening in, in uh, treatment for PTSD and for depression. I can also see that if that's successful, that moving into um, you know, addiction medicine as well. So um, yeah, I do see a, a bright uh, potential positives for, for uh, ketamine and other medicines like it to be therapeutic. Um, and like, like we said previously, ketamine right now is, is legal and, and is to use and, and should only be used obviously with, with professionals, but I see other applications and I've heard people talk about that potential as well. Uh, prior to Medicaid expansion in the late 60s, early 70s, um, uh, you know, there's a history of using different medicines in conjunction with therapy yeah. um, to the, have that kind of went away after after Nixon, after the counterculture and everything. 
but I do see that in like shamanic traditions in like other cultures where they, they use medicines with ceremony to kind of, um, you know, uh, I'm assuming for healing and for, 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 for people to, to have a connection with community, various reasons. So yeah, I do, I do see a, a really positive potential for it. Yep. So there. when you go ahead. Um, so when you're doing, so mm-hmm. when you have uh, a lot of trauma or just when you have trauma, um, oftentimes you block that memory or you can't get to that source because it's so blocked mm-hmm. and embedded. So this is a way that you could actually open up and get to that source to identify or address that trauma. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, your your operating system and the way or your ego, the way Freud intended it, that that part of your brain that has all your defense mechanisms, you know, that that kind of kind of block you off from that trauma, compartmentalize it. When you're in that that space, when you're in that dissociative space, that your ego, in the Freudian sense, kind of goes offline, and and you, you're you can't you you're in some ways you're kind of forced to look at that and and have access to that when sometimes when you're in your you know when your ego's online it's preventing you and and that serves a function you know if you if you under you know if you have a traumatic experience you know in order to survive that you do kind of need to compartmentalize yeah. it but you eventually have to deal with that later or or it interferes in in your life, you know, so yeah. that that's kind of a that's kind of how you know, that's a theory that I, I have as far as how it can help with trauma. It kind of puts you in an open mm-hmm. space to be able to where you're normally blocked off from that trauma to be able to examine it in a safe space with people that you feel safe with. Mm-hmm. Is sometimes that can be very scary though. I mean, it can be very hard, be a very hard session. But once you come back to yourself, patients usually feel better, even if even if they had to look at that for for uh, you know, half hour to an hour. Well, um, it'd be the importance of your team and yeah. why you have your team around yeah, while you yeah, do it. Yeah, it's it's nice to have you know mm-hmm. that that uh, that that support when you come through and be able to talk about it and and it, you know it, it seems to not have that power over you that it had before. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah. There's been a lot of uh, one of the reasons I reached out is there's been growing publicity over mm-hmm. ketamine clinics. Mm-hmm. And they're expanding in the Salt Lake Valley. Uh, it's a growing thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does, has taken on some, uh, you know, it's kind of starting to be pretty prevalent in the culture. And I think there's good and bad to that. I, I, I did hear a psychiatrist at, at uni as part of a group there uh, that would discuss psych- psychedelics or, or alternate medicines. and. And uh, he referred to ketamine right now as being kind of being the Wild West. And, <laughs> and that, that's the pros of that, or, or the, it does make it accessible. But um, the, the cons of that are, you know, you really, there's definitely uh, different ways of looking at it, how it's effective. And, and it, you know, one side, you, you know, overregulation could be a negative thing. On, on the other side, some regulation probably. So I don't I don't know where I land on that spectrum, but um, I, you know, uh, so I do I do think it should be uh, taken with reverence, I guess, and, and 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 careful consideration. And there have been patients I've I've told that I don't think ketamine is going to be helpful for them. They they uh, they need to do some work in therapy first, or or um, 
but I know we all have our probably different nuances to our philosophy on it, but it has been very, it has kind of exploded as far as the amount of ketamine clinics that, that have popped up since we started doing it, yeah. So you don't just take anybody in. I come in and I say, hey, I've got the cash. I want to do some ketamine. You, you talk to them first and figure out whether, yeah, yeah, uh, why yes, I want to yes. do the ketamine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We do. Um, we've had some, yeah, we, ha we do talk to them, find out what, what they're here to, to get at, pull out of it. And we have, we have said, you know, I, I think today is not, is not the right time. And, and we give them our professional opinion. You need to maybe engage in therapy and, and kind of uh, start doing some work there. You know, for example, I've had, uh, you know, people come in where I've felt like they may be intoxicated and like, you know, we're not, we're not going to be doing this today. You need to get into therapy or treatment. And then, you know, after you've had some sobriety and you do, you do feel like this may work for you, then we can discuss it. So, gotcha. so that would be one example. But there, there, there are other times, yes, I've, I've either me or, or my partner feel like it's not appropriate. We've, we've said, no, it's not appropriate treatment for you. We're, we're almost out of time. Uh, how about you plug your clinic just so, so we can, because people so. are going to watch us and say, where do I go? What do I do? And it's called yeah. Therapeutic Alternatives, right? Yes, Therapeutic Alternatives. And our, our website's ktherapyslc.com. Um, and you're located where? We're, our, ther our ketamine clinic's located downtown on 4th on fourth, fourth East and about 1st South, so on the second floor of they're only a block from our administration I building. I know, so, I was just thinking yeah. that. Um, yeah, it's um, the, the can, building. Can you come down and we'll all do ketamine for lunch and see how the staff does? Yeah, it, uh, yeah I, I mean, I don't know what that would bring up for you guys. But, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it would be a good idea. <laughs> we'll, come up with, we'll come up with a plan, yeah, no. But... Um, uh, yeah, so that, yeah, that's basically it. I, I do appreciate yeah, you, you guys having me. It, it was, it's an honor, actually, to, to, to work. Yeah, here, this, so. I, I thought this was great. I'm, I'm glad that I got to learn more because I had my assumptions, and I love being educated. So thank you for being on the show to educate yeah. us. Yeah, it's well, been very that. educational for me, too, because, yeah. you know, we work with this every day, as have mm -hmm. you, for years. Yeah. And this is, like you said, could be like the wild, wild west, mm -hmm. or it could be a really beneficial thing as we, as we march forward. Yeah, and I'm glad that I can educate the community better, too, because I yeah. think there's always going to be things that come out, and I think that people are like, oh, I'll just get on ketamine. Well, hey, that might be an option for you, right? Yeah. And also these <laughs> other <laughs> things, too. Yeah, so now yeah. I'm a lot more educated and understanding. Yeah. So thank you for being yeah. here. That was cool. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. I appreciate great. that. Yeah. Our guest has been Austin Frankham from Therapeutic Alternatives. Yeah. And it, you, you described it well, and you've enlightened all of us, so we appreciate yeah. it. So. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.